Hi, and welcome to On Point, a podcast by Oak Street Funding, where we bring research and data-backed insights to dig into the minds of industry leaders to learn how to stand out, navigate, and break through this ever-changing industry. I am your host, Bridget Height, and you can support this podcast by following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on our website, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be there hanging out, talking to industry leaders, and ready to empower you to grow your business. Now let's get On Point. Today, Tina Powell, founder and CEO of C-Suite Social Media, joins us on the show. Tina is a digital leader, an influencer, and a host of her very own podcast titled In the Suite. As a small business owner, she has great insights to share with other business owners looking to grow. Welcome to the show, Tina. Thank you, Bridget. It's so fun to be here with you today. What an honor. Thanks I can't so wait much. to yeah. I really thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I I've I'm like I've been going through these questions and like I cannot wait to hear what you have to say because I genuinely need to know. I need to hear expertise from your point of view. So tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get started with C Suite? Oh boy. Okay. So do how much time do we have? We have twenty minutes. What can you do in two? <laughs> Okay, good. Okay, let's give everybody, uh, let's give the listeners, thank you so much for listening, um, the short version of the story. So I created C-Suite Social Media five and a half years ago, and that was because um, I came to financial services in 2006. Originally, okay. I was a partner in a wealth management firm, and we sold that firm, Bridget, um, and to Mercer Advisors. A big shout out to Mercer Advisors, too. And so afterwards, I wanted to continue doing what I was doing over at uh, Beacon Wealth Management. I love marketing. I love this industry, social media. I wanted to just do what I was doing, but I also wanted to help more people. And mm. so now I have the uh, enormous pleasure of running C-Suite Social Media, a digital marketing and social media agency for financial services. Uh, we work with fintech firms and we work with advisory firms. Uh, we've got a small, mighty dodgeball team of six people, uh, and we're killer on the court. <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you so much. Um, so what problem were you seeking to solve when you started your business? Yeah. So I started, it all really dates back to my graduate work. So mm -hmm. I have a master's from NYU and in 2013, um, you can still see my capstone on, uh, the social science research network and being uh, that you're so on point and this is a podcast, you know, Oak Street funding. I know that you love data and insights and research. So you can find my research on social science new research network. Uh, it's part of my, on my LinkedIn from 2013. And this is what I wanted to solve Bridget. And that was that financial advisory was a little bit slow to the game and slow to adopt the principles of digital marketing and social media. Okay. And so I noticed that as soon as the Federal Reserve, the uh, FINRA, uh, the um, United States Securities and Exchange Commission, as soon as we started to see the larger organizations with, and financial institutions make a move into the, into the social space, that's why I really felt that organizations and leaders needed to be handheld, not because they mm -hmm. weren't smart and intelligent, but because this was an entirely different and a new domain and being right. that we have compliance. And so I was so passionate about bringing 
um, bringing advisors and, and making sure that firms were on social so that they could reach the people who they needed to help. And Bridget, I was one of those, I was one of those people. Um, my father had uh, suffered a, a massive stroke. He spent five, the last five years of his, of his life in a nursing home. And I felt that my family was really ill-equipped to handle that. And so I really feel intensely passionate about financial services and making sure that people have access to incredible advisors. Um, mm. And those advisors have access to research and firms that can help empower their practice so that they can go on to make a significant impact in the lives of other people. Okay, that's, that's a great answer. Thanks, Tina. Um, so how did you come up with the name C-Suite Social Media? Yeah, so it goes back to the idea that any type of marketing effort particularly growth marketing, is going to need buy-in from the C-suite. And I taught at NYU, taught a class at NYU Executive Leadership for, um, and what we noticed is that, you know, culture and leadership matters to the things that we do within our businesses. And um, exactly, right? So if marketing and most particularly social media, which at one point, Bridget, <laughs> advisors and people thought it was a fad, you know, oh, yeah. just like the internet. When the internet sure. first, it was like, oh yeah, you know, uh, how many people are really gonna buy things over the internet? How many people are gonna actually um, type in their credit card information into the internet? Well, boy, those things, those things happen. We're seeing the same thing with mobile payments, crypto, um, any type of technology that is disruptive needs to be integrated at all levels of the organization, but most particularly at the top of the chain of the command, which is in the C-suite. So mm. that's why, that's how the name C-suite was, came up with it, because okay. unless that the C-suite has buy-in into what we're doing, there's a resource allocation, there's a tilt towards growth, there's a core competency to experiment, to break things, to be disruptive, to be wrong, right? Because marketing is not, not everything works to be experimental and have that R&D um, allocation. That's the most important part of what we do. We only work okay. with companies who have bold visions for the future and where what we do is, is truly, um, integrated at the top of the organization. Yeah. I you know, it's funny you you mentioned that people thought the internet was a fad. I'm I'm dating myself, but like I still think I've only recently realized that Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all of it is not a fad. And and in fact, like people's entire lives and careers have been built on this too. So I mean, I think it's I think it's so fascinating. So thanks. Um, so the next question I have is, what is the mission or vision statement of your company and how does that influence your decision making? It's an interesting juxtaposition of that question, Bridget. I, <laughs> I, 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 I like it. I'll tell you, the mission of C-Suite Social Media is to make every touch point matter. Yeah. matter. And what that means is that as, uh, as an advisor, sure, there are, are many going to be listening to um, to this great podcast that you have on point. Everything that you do throughout the customer journey, 
matters. Mm -hmm. Everything matters. Mm -hmm. How as a prospective client, I find you online, how I'm able to do my own research about your company, the experience of what it's like to welcome, to, to be welcomed through the doors of your company or virtual as we saw through the pandemic. Right. And so being that every touch point matters, we really, we, we look at things through such a granular lens. We, you know, iterate to the nth degree. We're so, we try to be so precise and think about not only just putting social media out there, but more importantly, Bridget, it goes around to the experience of what we want to deliver to people. You know, why are we using social media in the first place? We're not using it just to be a megaphone. Any business can do that, but we really truly want to deliver an experience. And in order for that to happen, we do have to think that every communications interaction is a touch point. Email is a touch point. A website is a touch point. Um, even how I, uh, a telephone call, a conversation, um, you handing me a piece of literature, I seeing you at a conference or perhaps, you know, speaking somewhere or on a webinar, for example, everything matters. And so we, when we work with the company and we work with business leaders, we, we, we tend to pull them back a little bit before we, we do anything and we analyze, you know, analyze the customer journey, analyze prospect client um, journey. What does a successful journey look like? What is the journey that we want to replicate? And I would say companies really need to think about every single way that they touch a client and a prospective right. client and to ideate that. What worked, Bridget, in 2020, as we saw, right? We saw a big, huge recalibration of our society in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, like, hey, it's, 20, it's 2022. You and I, Bridget, a, a year from now, the conversation is going to be much different. But I will say the touch points are going to be augmented differently in the future. And that's where we want business leaders. We want their heads to be every single thing, question everything, rip it up, start it all over again. Envision how you would create it if you were starting from brand new. That's, okay. that's the type of ideation we like, to, we like to work on. I love your passion and your energy about all of this. It's so inspiring. Um, so what does strategic planning look like for you? And what, what tips do you have for other small business owners who might not be sure how to strategically plan? So strategic planning for us, if, if there's anything that we've learned, I think, in the last few years, it's that strategic planning has to be a lot more tactical and short-term oriented. And okay. so... The, the, and the most important thing, uh, you know, we've, we've seen it with the labor shortage. I myself have, have even as a business owner experience, you know, there are two important things that drive that strategic plan. And the first is your people. It's people, people, people. And so if, if it's great to have a long-term focus, but I would say, and you asked me what my advice around that strategic planning is that don't go so far out you know, six months, 12 months, one year, three years, I've really learned to be um, more in the moment than in the future because my, you know, resource allocation, people change, 
Um, we have just such a, a, a dynamic economy right now, too. Interest rates are on the rise. The the highest inflation that we've had in what forty one degree forty one years. Like, yeah. so you, you the types of decisions that you make as a business owner are affected by a macro environment. You don't. We don't know what the macro environment is going to be in in a year from now. Right. And so if you if you know all of these decisions take root in in the macro. So I would say, you know, be very careful about the the not having your strategic plan going too far out. The second part of this equation is the financial part of that equation. And, okay. you know, the pandemic caused a lot of businesses to make some really bold decisions. Some had to pivot, some had to go out of business, some had to borrow. So the second critical aspect of your strategic plan is your resource allocation. You know, what are your finances like? And you need to be maniacal, maniacal about your cash flow and, mm -hmm. and your PL. I'll share with you a big decision that I made was that I I, I engaged with a um a part-time CFO. You know, we had a I had a pretty good, I'm good in finance, right? But I found someone even better than me that could analyze every single little thing. And though, you know, we have QuickBooks and we can run reports at any time. Sure. You know, getting that 24 seven, getting a real seasoned CFO to be looking at our books, that affects my strategic plan. I, sure. I'm Italian. So it's like, I want to buy everything. I was told that my eyes are bigger than my stomach. You know, and so I want to do everything. And my CFO now keeps me in line, make sure uh, that, you know, my liquidity is there and our, you know, our, our savings are there. Everything is aligned. So that's what I would say to business today. Be maniacal about your cash flow. Be maniacal about the types of people that you hire. Have great and bold visions for the future, but be more strategic in the short term. And, um, you know, and be experimental. Try things. Your your strategic plan should inc include some sort of R and D component to it. Okay, that's great. Um, so, it's, what what digital channel has been the most influential to your business? So naturally, growth? social media. <laughs> yes. Okay. Specifically LinkedIn, right? If there's okay. one thing that our listeners take away from this conversation today, Bridget, it's that. Yeah. Do not try to be everywhere and be everything to everyone. Pick one yeah. digital channel and do it well. And if you're in financial services and listening to this awesome podcast here by Oak Street Funding, you are going to want to double down, triple down on LinkedIn. I'll tell okay. you why. Okay. okay. Tell it. Okay. So, right. So, Mark, you asked me what was the most influential part of my uh, most influential digital channel to my to my business's growth. And the reason why I asked LinkedIn, why I answered LinkedIn is the following. Um, number one, networking and connections. There's no better place, you know, especially during the pandemic for two years, I was busy building my network. One of my favorite professors in graduate school said, build your networks before you need them, Tina. And that's what LinkedIn 
it is a different type of, of interaction. Sure, social media gets sometimes a sleazy reputation. You know, it's just like any other kind of, it's just like anything. There are good parts and there are bad parts. Sure. Pick the good parts. And the good parts right. are, there are real people on LinkedIn. Are there some, you know, some questionable accounts and questionable connections? Sure, there are. You don't have to accept those connections, but you should be building your network. Your network, the power of your network powers your business. Okay. And so the strength of your network determines the strength of your of, of your business and, and those relationships. So that's one aspect of LinkedIn. So that networking. Second is content. Originally, when LinkedIn started, it was just basically people trying to connect with one another. Right. Um, there were some, you know, obviously social media here. Let me share this. Let me send you this, Bridget. Now, what we see is the integration of advanced features on LinkedIn, the LinkedIn newsletter for one. I personally have published 89 articles on LinkedIn. Oh. Oh my goodness. Right now it's taken a long, it's taken a long time. Right. <laughs> and Oh, by the way, I run a marketing agency and have a, yeah, by, by the way. way, right. So nothing's going to happen automatically. It happened over a period of, I don't know how long those articles, maybe it's seven years that, that I've amassed that. And most particularly, so don't think like, Oh, I didn't start seven years ago. You can start now. You can start now. It's quality over quantity. But okay. that's why. So I put so much content and thought leadership out there that that has the power to either pull people in or mm -hmm. either to either attract or repel. You want actually that repel factor. A lot of people are worried about, you know, you want to find that ideal fit. So right. the number two, the second aspect of um, content is the um, is the other part. Um, third of why LinkedIn has helped to build my business and business growth, because I really feel that you can truly add value. You know, we're here, you're, you're being on your podcast today, Bridget is, is an awesome experience. You're adding value to me. And I hope that I'm that adding value to you and your listening audience. The yes. same thing holds true when we share information on LinkedIn. Okay. You know, me sharing a resource, whether or not that it is one of your podcast episodes to a friend or a connection on LinkedIn through either a post update. You know, I love empowering people. It's a big part of my personal mission is to transform and empower people. Well, LinkedIn gives me the ability to, to do that every day, even to people and to touch people I don't even know. So, you know, it, there's a saying, and I don't know who said it, but, you know, if you want to be a billionaire, you need to help a billion people. Well, if you want to have a, have a strong business, if you want to grow your business, you need to help more people. How are you going to scale that? LinkedIn allows that um, opportunity to scale. So you've got the network effects, you've got the content effect, and you've got the impact effect. That's why I wholeheartedly believe that every single person listening to this podcast right now, it, it's, I'm, I am living proof that you could go from like, zero and have an incredible business if you just put your a singularity of focus into one social media account. I love that. I'm I, I'm terrible at social media. I just began my my LinkedIn journey. Um, and I'm learning, I'm still learning right now, but it makes, it makes me feel so much better knowing that you don't have to do them all, but that you really can choose one and just 
and thrive on that one, that one channel. I think that's, that's so much more manageable and so much more less, it's so much less chaotic than the way I was thinking of it before. Yeah. And I give you so much credit. I give everyone here listening. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. It's that's the whole thing, but isn't that an accurate reflection of our society? And as people, you know, we try to do better. We try to level up each year. We try to, you know, increase our, 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 uh, core competencies. We learn new things. That's the Mm -hmm. great thing about social media. You don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be authentic. You should only comment and like, and have reactions to things. If you're truly, truly in it, if it's not something that resonates with you, don't even bother. So I think, you know, it's, it's, you put, you putting yourself out there too is hard for people You're, you know, we, we, we feel sometimes like totally exposed and judged. And for people who are in a line of work where, you know, perfection and precision matters, that's a big behavior adjustment. So, Mm -hmm. you know, go, go slow, read things, share things, like things. You don't have to be that extrovert on social media to have a great social media presence. Thank heavens. Thank you. That's great advice. Um, okay. Next question. What is the one common myth about small business ownership that you want to debunk? So I think most business owners and, and I'm no different. We all have this mandate for growth. And the, the thing that, that was, I think a rude awakening for me was how hard growth was when I finally arrived there. Uh, And so you get to, you hit a growth wall. And so hitting a growth wall is like getting punched, you know, is like Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed (laughs) and Rocky too in the 12th round. You know, growth is really challenging. And when you get to reach a certain level of sales and profitability and people and clients, you've got to almost rip up the playbook because what you did now, you need more of that. Your systems, your procedures, your operations, your policies are all different. So right. the, the, the big thing for me was, wow, I had this fallacy that growth was going to be the end all be all. And then when I finally got there, Bridget, it was much harder than I ever envisioned. And I was like, wow, we had this procedure, this standard operating procedure doesn't work anymore. This workflow doesn't work anymore. We're, you know, it's different. Um, Our business model is different. The things that clients are asking us for this year is different as opposed to last year. And that's where I think a big thing, total, and it's hard. It takes takes an insane amount of energy and and time. In order to it meet sounds that. like you start back at square one again, just as a, a much yeah. bigger, a bigger entity. Okay. Um, so what advice would you give other business owners who would like to grow their business? I would say the most important part is finding great people. Yeah. You, there's, that, that is the most important part of your business And you have to be ready to make some really, really tough calls. Mm. And and that means that some people may be a fit for your organization at one point in time. 
And then as you hit that growth and scale up, Bridget, there may be people that need to move on to another opportunity. And, right. and that's okay. So I say that we are all plagued by the fact that there are great people in this industry and a lot of them are already at great companies. Well, you know, how are you going to fill that talent gap? It's a real thing for, for, for people. And as we attract and hire the greatest people, how are we going to keep them here? You know, what are we going to do different in our business? I'll give you an example that we just had yesterday. Uh, we just had Dr. Verletta Bryant. She is a, um, she has a, a PhD. She was a college professor for over 20 years. She has her own practice, the Art of Healing Center. And I had her come into our organization and just, um, and she's here for, for two weeks as, um, as a in-person, as a virtual speaker and doing a workshop around the different personalities that we are in the workplace and how okay. we can work together effectively. And that's something that I wouldn't have, that I didn't do the first year, the second year, the third year, we did right. it in the fourth year, I've had her back again. And so what are you going to do to keep the right people in place? Right. That's as much of a challenge as it is to find the right people. So right. that is that is my best advice. Be maniacal about your people. We talked about it before in you know, some of that strategic planning. Do things that are going to keep them. My team yesterday appreciated so much. We were laughing. We learned about each other. Uh, we were all um, measured on the Enneagram scale, which has been apparently um, an incredible workplace um, uh, workplace. Uh, how do I describe it? it? It's not a test, like it's not a personality test, but okay. it defines how people are in different roles. And we all just had such a better appreciation and respect for each other. And I know that it's going to, you know, help us in, in the future. How fun. I, I, that sounds fascinating. And um, so the next question I have is what is the, what is the best part of owning your business? I would say the, the sense of accomplishment. Yeah. You know, I spent so many years of my life between, you know, going to school, you know, getting my bachelor's, my master's, um, taking ongoing, you know, courses and mm -hmm. studying and learning and being mentored and being coached and stretch assignments and all of those things. And when you're able to, just take an idea out of your head. Right. And then now you have a business that employs other people, especially during the pandemic, Bridget. That was the most incredible thing. I literally had positions for people. We we had to double the size of our company during the pandemic. It was really hard. And I remember that indeed literally called me, literally called me and said, You need to shut down your ad. There's just too many hits, too many people. Oh <laughs> exactly. And I was like, wow, I felt like it was such an honor to be yeah. able to, people appreciated so much having the opportunity to do work during the pandemic. That was probably yeah. one of the most incredible accomplishments that I've ever, ever had. They were so thankful, you know, stories of what was happening to them and their family and being like, well, 
here, we, we would love for you to come to work at C-Suite Social Media and to see what, you know, what transformation happened to those people afterwards. That's an incredible, mm -hmm. we'll always be proud of that. That's amazing. That is amazing. Um, so lastly, we have a fun question to end the, our time today. If you were going to live on a deserted island, but could only take one thing with you, what would it be? This was so easy to answer. <laughs> As bread. an Italian, <laughs> as an Italian, as an Italian <laughs> it's bread. I cannot live without bread. Um, I've tried to do like the low carb, no carb. Um, oh. You don't want to be around me and in a <laughs> no bread world. It is really, truly, truly hard. So I love focaccia bread, especially. Uh, oh. I love anything that has like a little bit of both both the soft texture and the and the warm texture i would take i would take my kindle so i had like unlimited books to read if i could just have it loaded up and ready to go i could probably manage for a while at least <laughs> with enough with enough literature i could probably make it work <laughs> Well, Tina, this has been so lovely talking to you. You are so you're so full of great information. So thanks for coming on on point today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Bridget. I really appreciate being here and the best to you and your listeners. You're doing a great job. Thanks. Thank you all for listening to On Point, a podcast by Oak Street Funding, where we bring research and data-backed insights to dig into the minds of industry leaders to learn how to stand out and navigate and break through this ever-changing industry. I am Bridget Height, and tune in next time wherever you listen to podcasts as we get On Point. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks for listening. To get in contact with someone at Oak Street Funding, please call 844-353-8022. That's 844-353-8022 to learn more.